0: To throw me out of this church. I hope as you were watching that video clip that you knew something is not right. And I hope it was more than just a little something's not right. I hope you really clearly knew something is very wrong. I'm relieved. I'm relieved. I can die now. (laughs) Well, as we come to God's word today, let's ask him to show us where else in our lives we are off track, where else we are making our own religion and not holding to the faith as it's been given to us in God's word. Because no guardian angel is going to help you into heaven. No guardian angel is there to help you every day to overcome sin. Pray through a guardian angel. There is only one mediator. Who is that? Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's through Him we come. He forgives sins and only He will take us through into eternity. No one else, nothing else. So it sounds religious, but it's false. And I'm glad you picked up on it. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. (laughs) Lord, our Heavenly Father, thank you that as we open your word, we can know the truth. And we can allow the truth to guide our thinking and to allow us To know when we are thinking incorrectly by your word. Teach us through your spirit, Lord. We don't want to be led down the path of error. We want to know you, Jesus Christ, in all your fullness. We want to hold to your commands if you've given them to us. We want to walk in your ways. So teach us your ways, Lord, through your word. And may your word be a light to our feet and on our path. Help us now as we open your word. Amen. Can you guys turn that sound down? Um, there's something over the top there. So we are in, we are in um, Colossians, Colossians chapter 6. And uh, we specifically look, oh sorry, Colossians chapter 2. In case you missed the rest of it, there is no Colossians 6. Colossians chapter 2, verse 16 to 23, and um, we're going to be reading a little wider than that. We're going to read from um, verse 6, but we're going to be looking closely at verses 16 to 23 this morning. So open your Bibles or scroll up to it, and let's read God's Word together. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord... You must continue to follow Him. Let your roots grow down into Him, and let your lives be built on Him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world. Rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ. Who is the head over every ruler and authority. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised. But not by a physical procedure, Christ performed a a spiritual circumcision. The cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. And with Him you were raised to new life, because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins, and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. That is so clear. I'll read that again. You were dead because of your sins, And because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. When you come to faith in Jesus Christ, He has to cut away your sinful nature, not the wrong things you do. Then God made you alive with Christ, for He forgave all our sins. He cancelled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, He disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. So, don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink, or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. For these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come, and Christ himself is that reality. I want to repeat that verse. It's right at the core of today's passage. These rules are only shadows of the reality to come, and Christ himself is that reality. Therefore, don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or the worship of angels, saying that they have had visions about these things. Their sinful minds have made them proud, and they are not connected to Christ, the head of the body, for he holds the whole body together with its joints and ligaments, and it grows as God nourishes it. You have died with Christ, and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep on following the rules of the world, such as don't handle, don't touch, don't taste? Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self denial, and severe bodily discipline. But they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. As we looked uh, last time we met around this passage, there was a warning for us. And the warning was in, found in verse 8, and you can glance back there in your scriptures. Don't be recaptured in your thinking. Don't be recaptured in your thinking, and that by empty philosophy and deceit. The Apostle Paul says, why would you go back to such emptiness? But watch out, because there are those who will want to. Because what happens when we capture a mind? Wrong thinking leads to wrong actions. And so he said to us, your deliverance is in Christ alone. Find your deliverance in Christ alone. Your faith is rooted in him. All your debt has been removed by Jesus Christ. You have all of God in you. You don't just have a partial blessing of a part of God. When you come to belief in faith and God, all of God comes into you. You have God in all his fullness living in you. All his promises to you will be fulfilled. You won't miss out on any of his promises. So that's what we looked at in that last passage. And then he reminded us that your foundation is to be in God's word alone, not in God's word plus what others teach. God's word alone. Otherwise, you end up where we were this morning in that video clip. But then there's a second warning. It's kind of the fleshing out of of what he's said to us before in chapter 2, verse 8. We now come to chapter 2, verse 16 to 17. And there's a second warning, and it's this. Let no one condemn you for not holding their rules to become a better Christian. You see, what these Judaizers in the church at Colossae were doing, they weren't just criticizing believers who didn't follow their rules. actually trying to pronounce God's judgment on them. They were going a step further. And so they were judging these believers for not holding to their extra teachings. And so it was bringing people into doubt. Am I now judged or aren't I judged by God? Paul's saying, because you are in Christ, and because it is in Christ that you have spiritual fullness... Chapter 2, verse 10. Don't let anyone impose on you a program of spiritual development that does not have Christ at its heart. If what someone is trying to teach you does not have Christ at its heart, at its core, don't go there. Turn your back on it. You see, what were the Judaizers insisting on? They were very specific things, and let's look at those. Food rules and worship rules. They were saying, yes, you must listen to the scriptures, but you must also obey these food rules. These are Old Testamental food rules. You need to hold on to them. And they were referring to the Old Testamental dietary regulations found in Leviticus 11 and other places in scripture, but mainly Leviticus 11. It's a whole chapter. Go and look at all those rules. Things you can eat and can't eat. From animals to fish to insects What you can eat and can't eat. Now, when did God give the Israelites those rules? When they were walking through the desert at 45 degrees during the day, right? And he was giving them things which, yes, would probably be very good for them. But was it about health? No. It was all about holiness. God was saying to them, you be holy as I am holy. Leviticus 11 verse 44, be holy as I am holy. Why, how can you be holy? I'm giving you specific principles, obey me in these principles. And yes, they might not make sense to you, but obey them because I give them to you, says the almighty God. Be holy, set apart for me, be holy as I am holy. And so what should our attitudes be towards food rules? Should i eat fish on fridays or not i like fish and chips but fridays should i have pork or not have pork should i eat rabbit stew not supposed to according to old testament laws should i eat meat with blood in it you see these these are the things which come up and some people don't allow themselves to eat those things and they use religious They use a religious reasoning for that, and that's wrong. If you're doing it for health reasons, go for it. If your doctor says, as I've been told, (laughs) lower your cholesterol, eat less meat, do this, do that, yes, listen to them. That's for health reasons. But don't put a religious spin on it, because then you're wrong. Don't justify yourself through religion. Because then you're wrong. Because it's not about health. It's about holiness. How do I know that? Because Jesus said so. In the New Testament, and we read that parable about clean and unclean food. Those things which make us holy before God or not. You see, in that parable, I'm not going to read it again. John did a really good job of it. Jesus was saying to them, all food is clean. Ceremonial? is it all good for you? No, that's not what he's talking about. All food is clean for you. It's, what insi- it's what's inside of you that defiles you. It's the sinful nature and all the sin that's in you that defiles you. Not what you put into your mouth. I love the way that NLT put it. You can't put food into your heart. It's so clear. So, the legalists were saying, because that's what it is, legalism... The rules, they were saying, you need to stick to the Old Testamental dietary regulations. The Apostle Paul saying, no you don't. Obey God, be holy unto Him. Secondly, they were saying, you need to worship God in very specific ways. Again, the Old Testamental holy days. You need to keep to the Jewish feasts, said the Judaizers. You need to keep to the new moon ceremonies. You need to hold to the Jewish Sabbath, which is on a Saturday. Seventh-day Adventists still do that today. Is that what are we to do? Should we come on Saturday? Or do we come on Sundays? You see, we need to look at the context of all this. The Old Testamental laws were done away with in Christ. They still stand, yes, but there's a new context around them now. What is the context? The context is Jesus Christ and everything He fulfilled on our behalf. What did he say? I want you to worship me on a day of the week. Worship me. Make it holy unto me. Are we still to keep the Ten Commandments? Yes, we are. But we can't keep them. Why? Because we'll fail. And so Jesus kept them for us. And so we see the early church started gathering on the first day of the week, Sunday. And that's the context when, he, when the Apostle Paul says in Hebrews, or the writer to the Hebrews says, don't give up meeting together regularly as some do. Come together. So if, if you're thinking, I said you don't have to have Sunday worship anymore, so you can go and play golf, it's not what I've said. Yes, you need to come and worship the Lord together. And this is the day He's given us to come and worship Him. And we come on the first day. Why? Jesus Christ rose. New life started. And so we hold to that. So why are these Old Testament regulations no longer valid? Verse 17, here's a reason. Because these Old Testament regulations were shadows of a coming reality. They were only shadows which were passing away, but the substance who is Jesus Christ was coming and He would fulfill them perfectly. They were only shadows pointing to a reality. What is real, the shadow or the person making the shadow? Surely it's the person making the shadow. Do you see, the Old Testament was pointing to something bigger which was coming. Why would we hold to the shadows when Jesus has fulfilled and has said, I am the fulfillment of that law. Put your faith in me. I will hold the law perfectly on your behalf. Why hold to the shadows? So that's what the Apostle Paul is saying. He's saying, honor God in how you use food. Honor God in how you wear clothes. He's not telling us what to wear and what not to eat. Now, there's a whole different sermon, which is not going to happen now, you'll be pleased to know, about Christian freedom. And how do I use my Christian freedom to help those around me? If someone's struggling in a specific area, why would I not eat this or wear that because To help them. That's a whole different thing. We're not talking about that now. But Jesus says, honor God in how you use food and how you wear clothes. You see, the Old Testament era and the law have been brought to their culmination, their end point in Jesus Christ. So don't add anything else to that, says the apostle. Romans chapter 10, verse 1 to 4, says it like this beautifully. If you can, scroll in your Bibles to there. Romans chapter 10, verse 1 to 4. This is what it says. And again, I'm reading from the NLT today. It's NLT all day. It's just you'll, you'll get used to it. Dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. And that's what we pray for as well. I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it is misdirected zeal. For they don't understand God's way of making people right with Himself. Refusing to accept God's way, they cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. That's what He's talking about. For Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. As a result, all who believe in Him are made right with God. It's not about laws and law keeping. It's about Jesus Christ and obedience to Him and trust of Jesus Christ. Yep. So, he says, don't be legalists by listening to the legalists. There's a third warning for us in chapter 2, verse 18 to 19. He says, let no one disqualify you. Let no one disqualify you. Now, the word he's using here is a word used in a running race when they are specific of the race and I used to do a bit of racing too it doesn't look like it I know but 800 meters there is a specific rule and one of the rules in 800 meters is you're not supposed to step over the line into your opponent's lane because then you are disqualified you have to stop running or you can carry on running and waste your time and they will tell you the race is over at the end I don't see the sense in there so this word is used of stepping over the line A rule that there is. He's saying, don't let these people with their rules disqualify you. Make you step out of the lines. The clear lines of obedience God has given us. How do they do that? There's a second way they do that. Through mysticism. Trying to give you that awesome experience. That thing that you think you've been missing your whole life. There's a lot of people around in life now. Looking for the next biggest experience. That's why we go skydiving. That's why we go and do all the mad things we do. And Kiwis are known for this, for trying those new things, right? Thing. Let's explore the world that's been given to us. Let's see how many endorphins we can get into our bodies and just enjoy the experience. But when it comes to the Christian faith, be careful for chasing those experiences. How did they do it? You see, what is Mysticism. Here's the definition. Mysticism is the pursuit of a deeper or a higher subjective experience. And the ascetics were using false humility to go about this. So they were using ascetism. I think we put the word up there for you. There you go. If you can spell that. False humility. What's that all about? It's a pious self-denial. It's putting on that straight poker face... And thinking by doing all these difficult things, pious self-denial. There was a sect in the in the time um, that all this was written called the Essenes. E S S E N E S. The Essenes, and they were a Jewish sect who meticulously observed the law of Moses. They were meticulous about the Sabbath on the Saturday. They were meticulous about ritual purity to the extreme. And they isolated themselves from the world, and they wore white all the time. The Essenes. Pious self-denial. Today, services in Latin. No one understands it, but we have the service in Latin. Pious self-denial. The whole order of monks and nuns, they do really good work on the ground, helping people, but it's pious self-denial. Denial and isolation from the world. It goes against what Scripture is saying. You see, they're trying to reach righteousness through self-denial. The more I deny myself and my body, the more I give myself harsh treatment, the more holy I become. The more I want to withstand temptation, the more holy I will become. If I force myself to that nth degree. And so I don't give my body food for whole extended periods of time to make myself more holy. Even Martin Luther fell to this before he came to a real understanding of what it meant to give your heart to the Lord and what it meant for Jesus Christ to have to, to, for Jesus Christ to do all these things on your behalf to make you holy. In the Middle Ages, they would whip themselves to smithereens with whips, with nails and things embedded in them. Flagellation. They would wear hair shirts next to your skin. They would wear sackcloth. You thought it was talking about poor people. It's talking about people who wanted to be more holy. That's where it actually came from. They would go for these extended pilgrimages, not wearing shoes if they could help it, barefoot, in winter. Why? Because if I did these hard things to my body, I would be more holy. They would sleep on hard beds and some with nails in them, specifically to make myself more holy. In the modern movement, where do we find it? 2020. Well, there's a, deliberate, there's a movement around in Christian circles now called deliberate poverty. I deliberately go and make myself poor and live among the poor, not to be a witness to them, but so that I can become more holy. It's for me. It's me, myself, and I. Guess what? It's the old consumer coming in. There it is. And what does Paul call it? He calls it pride. And we're going to get to that. It's pride at the base of this. So what does Scripture say about physical discipline? It says, yes, it is necessary. Physical discipline is necessary. We are to watch what we eat. We are to watch what we drink. We are to have exercise. Why? Because we are to honor God with our bodies. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20. Honor God with your body. Your body doesn't belong to you. It belongs to the Lord Himself. So look after it on the Lord's behalf. But you see ascetics were, were hoping to save their souls and to gain holiness through discipline. It's a false gospel. Salvation and holiness come to us. Are you listening? Salvation and holiness come to us not from what I do, but it comes to us from outside of us. It's Christ who makes me holy. It's Christ who makes me more like himself. It's Christ who saves my soul. Nothing that I do can save me. Nothing that I do can make me more holy if I'm linking it to that doing. Jesus alone saves. God alone makes us holy. The other thing that these Judaizers were doing is they were using worship of and through angels to try and encourage people to a more of a Christian experience. And that has stayed along in today's Worship of angels and worship through angels. You see, the archangel Michael was worshipped in Asia Minor. That's the region of Colossae. He was worshipped in Asia Minor as late as AD 739. So 739 years after Christ's death, he was still worshipped. The archangel Michael. This worship of angels is described in the Apocrypha. And those who hold to the, the teachings of the Apocrypha... In the book of Tobit, like the Orthodox Church today, they hold of angel worship. Angels as mediaries, intermediaries. See, what does Scripture say? Angels have only been described in Scripture as messengers of God or those who do God's will. That's say two functions. Messengers of God. Think of Joshua outside the city of Jericho, about to go to battle. Who appears to him? The commander of the Lord's army, an angel, appears to him. Think of those angels announcing Jesus' birth. They were what? They were messengers of a a message from God. Think of the angels at the tomb after Jesus' resurrection. What were they doing? They were bringing a message from God. Fear not. He is not here. He has risen. they there to do God's will. Think of those angels who destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. They went for a very specific purpose to destroy a city. Where did they come from? They were sent by God. Think of those angels who tended Jesus. God the Father sent them to look after the Son in His bodily form. They were doing God's will. They were never worshipped. They were never intermediaries. Never, ever. It is actually prohibited in Scripture. Revelation 22, look at what happens in, when John gets that message from God, from Jesus Christ himself, through that angel. Revelation 22, verse 8 to 9. Look at what it says. I, John, am the one who heard and saw all these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said, No, don't worship me. I'm a servant of God, just like you and your brothers, the prophets, as well as all who obey what is written in this book. Worship only God. It can't be clearer than that. An angel Is another form of being like we are beings with another function. And we are to honor, obey, and listen to what God wants us to do. Together we are the servants of God. We don't worship God's servants. And then the other thing they were doing in the Church of Colossae is they were using lengthy descriptions of visions to try and hype up the people's experience of their religion. And so what people were doing is they were having sessions where people would lie down in a service on their backs and they would describe the vision that they were having so that all the people could hear how they were being taken into the seventh and other heavens that they were experiencing why so that be affected you think it's strange still happens today 2020 in churches today people will lie on their backs they get given a microphone and they ex- they just describe the vision that god is giving them at that time lying on their backs and they describe the heavenly scenes nothing's new how else were they doing this well, you see, today we use artificial worship experiences to wow the masses. And so we have big auditoriums where people can come in. The light can be controlled. The air conditioning can be controlled. Everything in that auditorium is controlled. The sound, the volume, everything. And bands know how to work this. As a musician, we know how to what to do first and then second and then third. It's no accident that we have our music in a very specific way. And you're thinking, I'm indicting myself here. I'm not. I'll give, you a, 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 I'll give you an idea of how we lead worship here. We never start off the worship service with soft little songs, inward-looking songs, because it's the wrong way to worship God. We come and we praise God's name loudly, and so, whatever we're saying today, I've already forgotten, 55-year-old. And then, towards the middle of the service, we start thinking of, well, what has God done for me? And it starts coming more personal, right? And then... At the end of the service, I don't want to sing a whimpering. song. I want to praise God's name. And so we sing loudly. That's just a technique of worship leading. While people who do these services where they want to wow the the congregation, let's call them an audience, will use the same techniques. And they'll add to those other things. And so you get gold dust. You get gold teeth. And all these supposed miracles happening. You get falling worship, which is a few decades ago, but still happens in many churches, where people are worshiping God and they're falling down all over the place. Be very careful of these things. They are look-alike, religion. Because the Apostle Paul warns us. You see, psych- psychologists have proved they can have the same effect by using sound, lighting, rhythm, and mass gatherings. They can have the same endorphin release by, by using the circumstances in such a way that people become happy, become sad. It can be done artificially. So what's behind all these things, says the Apostle Paul? He says, verse 19, they are puffed up in their flesh. They are not connected to the head, Jesus Christ. And the word he uses, not connected, is the word sever. Do you know what that word means? You take a knife and you cut off a head from the body. They are not connected to the head. There's no control from the head to the body. They are lifeless. That's what he's saying. He says, if Christ isn't the source of growth, if Christ isn't the source of the body's actions, you are living a false religion. Can't be clearer. If there's no connectedness to Christ, there will be no growth. Doesn't matter how artificial that experience is and how good you might feel, there will be no growth. That's the passage. What do we do with it? Two points of application. Here's the first one You've been set free, so stay free. Why go back and up? You've been made who you are, you've been made one with Jesus Christ through your death to sin. Through resurrection to new life in Him, why would you go back to man-made rules about worship? Why? Why would you go back to what not to do, what not to wear, what not to sing, what, to be a better Christian? The Apostle Paul is saying to us this morning, put away your spiritual checklist. You know, a checklist is a really good thing, but it can be a fatal thing. In the days I used to fly, sadly. You get a checklist to go through everything you need to do in the cockpit. Before you land, before you take off, everything. If you're going to fly a checklist, you're going to crash. A checklist is there to make sure everything's going well. And then you put the checklist aside and you live the reality. Otherwise you will die. Put away your spiritual checklist. Have a relationship with. With Jesus Christ. Obey Him. Put Him at center of your life. Do everything you do for Him. Whether it's eating or drinking or wearing, doesn't matter. Do it for Jesus Christ. Don't listen to any other plus religion. Because it's leading you away from Him. Stay connected to Jesus Christ. What will save you? Not rule keeping and attainment, but Christ's atonement saves what will grow you his grace alone directed to you you will experience his blessing and so my second point is of application is don't take shortcuts to feel close to God you know so many Christians get caught up in this one I want to feel like I'm a follower of Jesus Christ we all want that but don't Get there. How do you feel closer to Jesus Christ? Firstly, what is it? Bo? Prayer. Relationship with Jesus Christ. You want to feel close to someone, be close to them. How do I stay close to that person? By not displeasing them, right? That's just humanly. How do I stay close to Jesus Christ? By obeying His commands. How do I know that I'm doing that? Are you in the word? And are you obeying it? Stay close to him. Do his commands. And then what? You don't have to do anything else. His blessing will pour on you. You will know that you are close to God. You don't have to take any other ways. Don't chase the new to get closer to Christ it's a false gospel. It will lead you into bondage. Galatians 5 verse 1. Here's my closing verse for you. It was for freedom that Christ was free. Therefore, keep standing firm, Wanganui's East Baptist Church, and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. If anyone ever comes and puts up a prayer like that in this church and they sincere about it, sincerely pick them up And put them outside the church and then lay hands on them and pray for them to come to Christ as Savior. Don't tolerate that in this church. And if I do it, feel free to do with me what you please. Let's pray. Lord, our Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the warnings in your word. Thank you, Lord, that we know that it is in Christ alone that we have salvation. In obedience to you alone, that we will experience the blessing of God poured out on us so much that we won't know what to do with it. Lord, help us not to take shortcuts to try and be close to you, but just to keep our relationship with you close and to obey you because we love you. Lord, Make our ears deaf to anyone and anything that would turn us away from you. Keep our eyes and our ears and our hearts focused on you alone. God, we pray, there shall be no other God before me. Keep us with our eyes on you, Jesus. Amen.